So Philippians 2, Paul's letter uh, from Rome in prison, and he writes this, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honour people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. It's lovely to be uh, with you this morning. I had uh, a lovely uh, Zoom call with uh, Tony and Mark. September, October time, wasn't it? It was quite a long time ago. And uh, really encouraged to hear about the church and uh, what the, the Lord is doing through you in this uh, community and the way you're seeking to serve the Lord in this community. Uh, I was pastor of a small FIEC church in Harrogate, North Yorkshire, for uh, nearly 18 years, um, from uh, 2003 until uh, last year. And uh, it was really, I think, probably before COVID, but certainly during COVID, I'd, I'd felt it was maybe the time for me and the time for the church as well, for them to have somebody else who was a pastor. And uh, there was a, an opportunity with FIEC. Uh, FIEC, I'm sure you're aware, it's a, a grouping of independent churches across the country. There's 630 odd uh, of them now, a good number in this area, but spread right up from the, the Northern Isles of Scotland, right down into Kent and Cornwall in, uh, in the southwest. And the role was basically to help and support smaller churches, 35 members or less, um, which actually is just under half of all FIEC churches. So since last uh, April, middle of April, uh, I've been able to spend three days a week doing that. I'm doing two days a week on something else, but hopefully that will come to an end in the not too distant future. And uh, I'll be able to spend all my time helping and supporting 
at smaller churches. But it's lovely to be uh, with you today, and I, I do bring the greetings of FIEC and uh, the church in Harrogate, Jennyfield Evangelical Church, where Sarah and I still attend. Well, let's pray, and we're going to look at that uh, passage. So let's come together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can sing your praises as we have done. We can be reminded of wonderful gospel truths. Things that are true and will be true for all eternity. We have read your word. And we have been reminded of you in your word of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we come to look at this passage now that very much speaks of just two ordinary Christians, Timothy and Epaphroditus. Just like those of us here who are believers in the Lord Jesus. May we be encouraged, may we be challenged, and may we be taught. But Heavenly Father, we know that if we're going to, to learn more, and if we're going to have our minds transformed and our hearts transformed, if we're going to become more like the Lord Jesus Christ, who these two men sought to be, as of course the Apostle Paul did, though we need to hear not just the words of a preacher. Lord, we need your voice to be speaking to us. And pray that we would listen to the voice of God. And may we not be so foolish to ignore what you say to us and what through your Spirit you seek to do within each one of us to make us that little bit more like the Lord Jesus Christ. For that is our longing, to be like him in this community, in the place where you call us to live and serve you. May this be a blessed time together for ourselves that we may be encouraged and built up in our faith, but for the work of the kingdom of God as we seek to model Jesus more, to live for him and to speak of him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've called what I, I, I want to say uh, uh, this morning, hope in difficult times. In fact, sorry, I, can I have my other notes, please? I've picked the wrong ones up. <laughs> I could preach this if you want, but it's not from that passage. <laughs> this is what I'm preaching on tonight, from Psalm 119. I, I could preach that if you want. But <laughs> I thought that was the wrong title. <laughs> I didn't recognise that. Ah, this is better. Imitating Christ. It's got to be imitating and not the other, hasn't it? That's embarrassing. Imitating Christ as godliness is modelled. Let me ask. Role models. Who are your role models in life? I suppose to some extent it depends what your interests are, doesn't it? Maybe you think about those people you'd you'd like to emulate. Maybe you think about those people who, if you could be as skilled at or as good at, well, they're the individuals uh, that you would pick. Even though you 
probably know it's very unlikely you're ever going to be able to attain to that particular uh, standard. So if football is your thing, and uh, I hope I'm regionally correct in the examples I'm going to give now, but I am dating myself by the names I'm going to mention. You may think back to uh, somebody like Cyril Regis or Derek Dugan. I, I, I did try and pick football teams that were reasonably close to you. I was, I, I was careful who I, who I picked. The next one's a Wolves player as well, Steve Bull, more recent. Obviously, I should have, speak, I should have stuck with uh, West Brom, shouldn't I? <laughs> if it's uh, music, some wonderful musicians, wonderful songs, and again, I'm going to date myself. Musicians may not be old enough to have heard of these. But keyboard or piano, somebody like Rick Wakeman. A, a guitarist, somebody like David Gilmore. You may aspire to be those sort of individuals or it may be that you want to make a real difference to society so you think about somebody like Florence Nightingale with nursing or George Muller with children with orphanages but of course there, there are those we may not be able to emulate those and the impact that they had but there are those people who in our everyday lives when we look back and maybe at present we look at and we see something in them that we want to emulate, a characteristic, just what they are like. So it may be a teacher. You may think back to when you were at school and there was a particular teacher. You may not have appreciated it at the time, but when you look back, you realise that there was just something really special about that individual. For those at school now, it may be the case that you have a particular teacher now who you really look up to and respect and see something in them that's well worth copying. It may be a friend, it may be a boss at work, and you think that if I climb the promotion ladder, I really hope that I manage people, I get the best out of people in the way that they manage it. There's a lot about their personal characteristics that's worth copying. It may be from a Christian perspective as well. You may look back to a Sunday school teacher many years ago. Or it may have been a, an older Christian who when you were younger you just looked up to. I remember when I began going to, to local chapels preaching as a 20 odd year old. Probably far more enthusiastic than gifted. But in that time in the, the vestry before when you prayed, I think back to, to three or four individuals who were in the 70s, 80s at that time. So gracious, so humble, such an encouragement. They shone with something of Christ in them. And they were individuals that you wanted to emulate. And some of you younger ones, you might look round this room now and you might think, yeah, that person. There's a real godliness about them. And some of you that are middle-aged and older might look back to believers who are now in glory. And you can think back and think, 
what a wonderful example they were. How they modelled Christ. How they were somebody who it would be good to copy. To have that same godliness, that same spirit of prayerfulness. Now, of course, our, our perfect model is the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? But I don't think it's wrong in any way in, in having those men and women who act as role models to us, who model Jesus in their lives to us. And of course, we ought to model Jesus in our lives for others. And what Paul does in this passage is he brings before us two ordinary believers, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And he speaks about their actions, their commitment. He speaks about their character. Now, these individuals, they weren't the Lord Jesus Christ. They weren't apostles. But they were men he held up as individuals who model Christ, who model that servant-heartedness that was seen in the Lord Jesus. They had characters that were worthy to be copied. In Proverbs verse 25, chapter 25, verse 25, it says, Like cold water to a weary soul is good news. From a distant land. Paul was in a Roman prison. He didn't know his future. It was, to say the least, uncertain. It was precarious. And he had been so encouraged. His soul had been refreshed by the news he'd heard from Epaphroditus, who travelled this huge distance, 700 plus miles, from this church in Philippi that Paul had a real heart for. And we see in this letter, don't we, how Paul wishes to, to send them news of himself. You couldn't send an email or a Twitter message or whatever else. You couldn't pick a phone up. You couldn't send a letter and know that it would be there in 24, 48 hours. It didn't work like that, did it? If you think about it, 750 miles, say, 15 miles a, a day, it's 50 days, isn't it? It took ages. You didn't just knit round the corner to pass on the news as you can nowadays. He wanted to share with them what God was doing in that pagan city of Rome. What God had done through his imprisonment. At one level, it wasn't what Paul wanted. It wasn't what he expected. It probably wasn't part of his plan that he'd still be in prison. But the gospel was going forth. Even Caesar's household were, were hearing of Christ, were, were turning to Christ. He wanted to share that with them by way of encouragement. And he wanted, of course, to share his great love for them. They had a very special place in his heart. Now, the passage we read at the beginning and the, the verses at the end of chapter 1, in those verses, Paul is really urging believers, the church in Philippi, and of course, through that, the church in all generations, to show humility. It was Augustine, wasn't it, in the early 4th century who 
when summing up what Christians require, summed it up in three words, humility, humility, humility. Just as Tony Blair, wasn't it, in a political speech, the society needed education, education, education. Well, Augustine, many years before, Christians, humility, humility, humility. And that's what Paul had been exhorting these believers in Philippi to show. And through their humility, a commitment to service and a commitment to unity. And here, Paul puts before them these two believers who are showing these characteristics, this servant attitude in their own lives. And then, of course, the very well-known passage, verses 5 to 11, uh, where he brought before them the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he went on, didn't he, in verses 12 to 18. He draws out the outworking of that in the lives of believers. He's speaking about the fruit of salvation. He's speaking about, if you're a Christian, well, this is the fruit that you should be showing in your life. This is the way you should be maturing. This is the way you should be displaying to others that you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the way that you should be open to the Spirit of God working within you. And if this isn't happening, well, at best, you're suppressing the work of the Spirit. And what Paul is doing in these verses we're looking at is he's saying these two believers, as I say, they're not the saviour of the world. They're not apostles. But they're ordinary believers whose lives illustrate and display the very qualities that you and I are being called to imitate. So firstly, Timothy. It's verses 19 uh, to 24. Now, a bit of background. Paul had probably met Timothy on his first missionary journey. Uh, it may have been around that time that he came to faith. Uh, we know that it was sometime after his mother and grandmother's uh, decision to follow Christ. And they'd been a great help to Timothy. And Timothy commends them, uh, Paul commends them, uh, doesn't he, for the way that they had taught uh, young Timothy. And it was on Paul's second missionary journey that he enlists uh, the young man, Timothy, to be a part of his uh, ministry team, his mission outreach team. And it's clear, isn't it, uh, from what we read in Paul's letters, and particularly in uh, Philippians and in, in Timothy, uh, the letter there, that we hear of how the Spirit of God had worked in this young man's life. That Timothy had a teachable spirit. That he was a, a young man who was willing to submit to the Spirit of God working within him and transforming him. He was flexible to what the Spirit of God wanted to do. It wasn't a case of, yes, you can have that bit, but not that bit. The transforming work of the Spirit had been in all areas of his life, it seems. And then three things, and this is the first one. He had a servant's mind. Verses 19 to 21. Back in 
1936, I think it was, Dale Carnegie wrote a book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Some of you may be uh, familiar with it. I remember uh, reading it many, many years ago. It was, I suppose in many ways, it was a book about self-help. It was a, a book about how to get people to, to like you, how to get people to be on your side. It was a book about how to influence people. Now, Timothy wasn't into anything like that. He wasn't into any form of what I'm going to call manipulation. About trying to win people over by being one thing when in reality you're you're probably something else or with a, a different motive. Timothy was all about being the genuine article. He was about displaying genuine servanthood. Timothy was a man who what you saw is what you get. He was a man who could be trusted. He was a man who could be relied upon. At the end of the book of uh, Romans chapter 16 Paul lists these 20 plus people he probably could have listed several dozen others and yet about four years later Philippians was written it would appear that none of them were available to make the time to undertake the journey to Philippi that Paul wanted they were busy with so many other things. Now, we don't know what the reasons were, but we read, didn't we, that all the others have, well, they've got other things that they need to do. But what Paul is doing is he's making it very clear the genuine heartfelt concern Timothy had. He's making it clear that for Timothy, serving the Lord was the number one priority. That serving the Lord Jesus, being available to bring honour to the Lord Jesus, that that was his number one priority. He had other interests, I am sure. He had other things that were important to him. I am sure of that. Nothing wrong in that. But when it came down to the call of God, the gospel opportunity, use a more modern phrase, he was right up there because that was his number one priority. And how sad it is today when Christians allow all manner of other things to be a distraction. To be a distraction from following gospel opportunities that the Lord lays before them. And I'm not talking about sinful things. We all know they're wrong but even wholesome things in and of themselves. But they can take such a priority that we've no time for service. We're too busy to take the opportunities the Lord is clearly giving us as an individual or you as a church. When we think about our characters, we've read how Paul summed up Timothy and Epaphroditus. I wonder how he'd sum up my character. 
I wonder how he'd sum up your characters. I wonder what he'd say about our priorities when it comes to Christian service, when it comes to Christian character. Uh, but secondly, he had a servant's uh, training. It's verse uh, 22. Timothy could be commended by Paul because he'd evidenced that change, that maturing in his life, in his character, in his, his degree of godliness, we may say, over the years. Paul had always sought to ensure that Timothy's spiritual roots went deeper than what they just went wider. He wanted to ensure that there was a real stability, a real foundation in his life. Because he knew that he would need that in his service for the Lord. He knew he would need that when temptations came before him. Paul sought to give Timothy teaching and experience in the right proportion. But it was always built upon that godly foundation of a good, clear example. That's what the verse at the bottom, those two verses, 2 Timothy 3, 10 to 11. You, however, know all about my teachings, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings. And then he goes on to say some of the places that those happened in. He speaks about how the Lord rescued him from them all. What he's saying is that Paul sought to model Christ to Timothy. And that's what he's seeking to do in this letter to the church in, in Philippi. I'm sure he rejoiced, Paul, in what he saw this young man maturing into. The young man he was becoming his fellow worker. And there's a lesson for us there, isn't there? At one level, yes, there's the importance with our those younger in the faith, not necessarily younger in age, but younger in the faith, in getting that balance right between what I'm going to call teaching and experience. And of course, for those of us who've been believers a number of years, it's a very important challenge here. What do we model to those who are younger in the faith? Our children, our young people. I, I don't mean this in any way disrespectful to you at the back, but at times they, they may appear not to be being very attentive. Certainly not true of you this morning. But if I do a children's talk at Jennyfield with the children at the front, they can be doing all manner of different things. But if I ask them a question, they can all put their hand up and tell me the answer because they have been listening. They see. Our children, our young people, those younger in the faith, they watch us. And our actions at times can speak far louder than our words. How do we model Christ? When they look at our priorities, what do we model to them? 
about those things that ought to be of first importance in their life. Would the Lord Jesus commend our example to other believers? Well, that is such an important lesson for the church today, isn't it? Because it's only from other believers that our young people are going to see Christ modelled. They're not going to see him modelled in the world. They're not going to see him modelled in so many of the different things that they're involved with, places they go. It's going to be from within the church with a great responsibility. But then thirdly, for, for Timothy, he had a servant's uh, reward. It's verses 23 to 24. Timothy's servanthood and his desire to, to mature was rewarded by more opportunities to serve with the Apostle Paul. It was rewarded by opportunities to support other believers, to take the gospel to the lost. He was a man who Paul knew he could rely upon, so he gave him those other opportunities. Timothy was involved, wasn't he, in some of Paul's most difficult pastoral issues and situations. He, he, he's mentioned over two dozen times in Paul's letters. Indeed, if it wasn't for, for Paul's needs in Rome, it would have been Timothy who was <clears throat> entrusted to go back to Philippi to take the news that Paul wanted to send. But what did Paul say? I, I need Timothy here. I need Timothy with me. Of course, ultimately, in many ways, Timothy was Paul's successor, wasn't he? 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4. Let me say, a servant's heart, growth in true godliness, is not just the product of listening to sermons. However eloquent, uneloquent they may be. It's not just from listening to sermons. It's not just from doing lots and lots of Christian work, being involved in every ministry going. Rather, it's from developing that humble servant-heartedness, yielding to Christ. Allowing the Spirit of God to work in you. Yes, listening to sermons play their part. Yes, Christian service plays its part. Yes, reading God's Word plays its part. Yes, prayer plays its part. Watching others plays its part. Talking to others plays its part. But it starts from having that heart of wanting to grow. Of desiring to have that Christ-like character. That's what we need to have, each one of us. And it's not something for us that are older that we grow out of. We need to have that till the day that the Lord calls us home. But the second example that he brings is Epaphroditus. It's verses 25 to 30. Now, Paul, Paul was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, wasn't he? Timothy, he was part Jewish and part Gentile through parentage. Epaphroditus, he was a, a full Gentile. He was a, a member of the Philippian church. 
He was a man who'd risked his life. In fact, as Paul says, he'd almost lost his life in undertaking this work that he'd been called to do and chosen to do. Taking this, this message of encouragement and this, this gift to, to Paul 700 plus miles away. Epaphroditus was a balanced Christian. Verse 25. Paul's threefold description of Epaphroditus, he's my brother, he's my fellow worker, my co-worker, he's my fellow soldier. It shows he was a right, balanced, dependable, loyal, courageous servant of the Lord. Epaphroditus was a man who had compassion, he had love, he had commitment, he had dedication, he had courage, he had boldness. You remember many years before Nehemiah? Nehemiah, he, he was building the walls around Jerusalem after the exile. What did he have in his hands? In one hand he had a sword, and in the other hand he had a trowel. You can't build with a, sword, a sword. You can't fight with a trowel. Nehemiah knew that to get the work of God done, he needed both. He needed one to build the wall, do the work of God. He needed another to defend himself, defend that wall as it was being built. He got the balance right. And that's exactly what we need today, well-balanced Christians. Don't need Christians who are just 100% committed to doing Christian works. They look great. Everybody says how busy they are. But their Christian character is nowhere. And actually soon they're doing the works from a wrong motive, for the appreciation, the adoration. You also don't want people who never do any Christian works. Who are listening to sermons all the time. Who are attending prayer meetings. Doing all things like that. But there's no practical outreach. The Word of God isn't being applied in their lives. In the service of others. Whether that be building other believers up. Whether that be seeking to reach the lost. We need to get that balance right, don't we? In the way that we serve. But Epaphroditus, he was also a burdened Christian. Verses 26, 27 and 30. Just like Timothy, Epaphroditus was concerned for others. When a volunteer was needed to make this, it was a 1,500 mile round trip, he offered. That was sacrificial service. That was sacrificial service that flowed from a love for the Lord, from a love for other believers. And with that desire to enable other believers to reach out and to carry on their work in reaching the lost. He had that burden for the lost as well. The Christian life is one of Fellowship, 
it's one of hard work. It's one of spiritual conflict. It's one of serving others. It's one of growing in our knowledge and our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Epaphroditus had that right heart. He had that right commitment. Now the church today needs well-balanced Christians who prioritize humble, courageous service for the Lord. It isn't wrong in having other interests. It's not wrong in having hobbies. In fact, through hobbies, we get some of our best gospel opportunities, don't we? We need to have that servant-heartedness to serve the Lord, whether it's through ministries within the church, or whether it's through the hobbies and interests that we have. We're seeking to model Christ at every opportunity, to speak of Him when we have opportunities. One writer said this, The church has far too many spectators and not enough participants. Epaphroditus wasn't content to just contribute to the offering. He willingly offered himself in service. The most valuable resource that this church has, as any church has, for ministry, it isn't money. Often think it is. Money's important, but it isn't money. It's prayerfully considered and undergirded service. It's Christians' time and energy. It's that. It's that that enables the Spirit to work in us as we offer this up to Him. That He can work through us to build the church as believers are built up in their faith, in their knowledge. And by God's grace, as the lost are reached with the Gospel and souls are saved. Lastly, Epaphroditus, verses 28 to 30, he was a blessed Christian. I was thinking this week, is there a worse thing for a Christian to go through life and not be a blessing to others? Maybe to attend everything and go to everything and all the rest of it but actually not be a blessing to others. That's so sad. Epaphrodites was certainly a huge blessing to Paul. He was a blessing to his church back in Philippi as he'd he'd left them, as he'd gone on this journey. How they must have been encouraged by his willingness. How they must have been encouraged as they prayed for him, maybe heard news about him. What a blessing he was, therefore, to other believers. And what a blessing he was to to Paul in in Rome and any other believers that were there. No doubt, uh, Timothy with him as well. And what an example he's been to believers through the ages and to us today. Both Timothy and Epaphroditus, they show us the joy They show us the honour 
of living a life of sacrifice and service. Not of just looking the part to impress others, but of actually being the genuine article. They demonstrate, don't they, that having that truly humble, submissive mind and heart really does work. It leads to themselves being blessed, but it leads to others being blessed. It leads to them being used by the Spirit of God in the building of His church. And what Paul was showing these believers in Philippi and believers in all ages, including us this morning, is what it looks like, the mind and heart of Christ being lived out in the lives of these two ordinary Christians. Paul was to say in Corinthians, didn't he? Copy me as I follow Christ, as I copy Christ. Well, here he's holding up these two believers, these two ordinary believers. Look at their character. Look at the way they model the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at the way they model true godliness. Copy them. You know, I trust it's all our desires that we want to possess the mind and heart of Christ that we want Christ to rule in every part of our life. That we want Christ to be displayed in every part of our life. That we want to be a role model to others in their growth in godliness. Do you and I, do, do we want to be used by Christ in the building up of other believers? Maybe those who are struggling in the faith, those who are young in the faith, those who are younger in years, who are finding their way in the Christian faith, who are probably facing many, many trials and difficulties that we never did when we were younger. Seems like the internet didn't exist, did it? Do we want to be the shot window through which Jesus Christ is seen by unbelievers? Do we want to be those from whose lips the message of Jesus is heard by unbelievers. Do we want to be those through whom Christ builds his church in whatever way he chooses to? Amen. Can I pray? And then I'm going to hand over to our music group. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the example of the Lord Jesus. We thank you for the gospel that is the Lord Jesus, the hope of our salvation. We also thank you for the example of these ordinary Christians, Timothy, Epaphroditus. They weren't superhumans. They weren't supermen. They were just sinners saved by grace. Never would be any more than that. And that's what we are if we know your salvation. Help us, we pray, to model Jesus, to be open to your Spirit working within us. Give us that heart and compassion to be a blessing to other believers and to be those through whom Jesus is seen and from whose lips he is heard being spoken of. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.